Danny, it's when you meet when you meet new people, like say 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 you go out and you go to a bar, you go to a restaurant, you bump into a new person. Is it hard to not overwhelm them with your level of classiness? Not at all. I just I just do a little spin move and then I <laughs> and you press the, say, you press the C key on your fried piano. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fun Time Exception. I'm Michael Kasich. And I'm Dan Hyun. And we've got two guests with us today. Uh, John Engelman from the first episode. He's coming Hello. back. Yep, hi, John. He's hi. Here second, second and, <laughs> and introducing Jen Strader, who is uh, she's a regular member of the Groovy community, and she is joining us internationally from Copenhagen. Hi. And uh, we're going to be spending today's episode talking about exactly that, uh, the work that Jen's doing in Copenhagen, why she's in Copenhagen, and uh, yeah, generally the stuff, the, the going on surrounding her today. So I don't know if Jen, if you want to start by kind of giving an introduction of who you are, and then we'll kind of wait and come back to all the stuff that's going on in Copenhagen right now. Yeah. Who are you, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what's your uh, real name? My real name. <laughs> yeah, so my, my real name is uh, Jennifer Strader. Uh, but everyone probably knows me as Jen. I I got involved in the groovy community when I moved to Minnesota for a job uh, over three years ago now. Uh, and just I uh, really liked everything that the community had to offer. And, uh, let's see. So then I started Great Ladies. Well, I was in Minnesota and got a lot more involved in some of the women tech work there. I started talking at conferences and then got, I kind of thinking about where I wanted to go next. And I'm kind of at a critical point in my career where I, I kind of knew I needed to learn more. And uh, I learned better in a, just a traditional school setting. Uh, so I had looked at going back to graduate school. And when we look at the Groovy community, there really isn't that much at the research level or in, uh, in academia. So I started asking around and found a professor uh, here in Denmark who, although he doesn't do anything with Groovy directly, was uh, working with some other JVM languages and was definitely willing to kind of start a, a research group here. Uh, and we started going back and forth. I found funding from Fulbright and uh, everything just kind of started to fall into place. And then I ended up here and it actually worked. <laughs> So Jen's a really smart person. That's what you're. That's what you're telling us. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, amazing why she ever wants to spend time with the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I definitely Jen, still have a lot to learn. Yeah, uh, you, you're in a you're in a really interesting position right now with this opportunity that you have, uh, and I want to talk more about that too. But before we jump into that, I'll give we'll give John a chance to reintroduce himself for anyone who hasn't heard uh, the first episode or doesn't know who he is. So John, if you want to take a moment or two and just introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, but based on our pod count numbers, I, I think most people have listened to the episode that I was in. 
<laughs> as opposed to the rest of them, right? Well, there's, well, there's, there's the numbers back you there, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean we don't have new listeners. Uh, yeah, so I'm John Engelman. I'm a chief technologist with uh, Object Partners in Minneapolis, and I spend most of my days working in um, kind of the cloud infrastructure and um, automation spaces, what the industry is calling DevOps. Um, so I've been, uh, before that, I, I did a lot of uh, JVM and then Grails development before I moved into that area. Um, so yeah, so most of that's where most of my interests are nowadays, though I uh, have lended a hand to one of Jen's recent um, initiatives, which was setting up the new uh, Groovy community I, Slack setup. Yeah. So I, I, I helped her setting up some um, some automation and some bots and stuff like that channel so i'm sure we'll I'm sure that'll be a topic for this particular conversation that we can seg into yeah definitely we want to get to that uh the stuff happening with the new groovy community slack is really cool but before it we is. get into any of the topics we'll go ahead and go around and see what folks are drinking and so i don't know if danny you want to start first i i i don't remember what i'm drinking uh, i don't remember the brewery that makes it so i'm going to try and remember that while we go around and Danny, you can start us off. Yeah, let's let's go around this round table that we're all sitting around. Um, <laughs> we're in the same place, same physical location. <laughs> I'm looking right at John's face right now. Um, yeah, so last week I got a, a new bottle of Lafroig. It's just um, just the tenure. And um, I'm having that right now with a bit of water added to it, and it is really good. Water really good. scotch. <laughs> yeah, you got to... Especially with Lafroy, you got to open it up because it's so dense. Um, especially when it's like it's, when you just open the bottle, it hasn't had time to mature and let all the complex flavors come out. So you're helping it out a little bit by adding a dash of water. Open up mm. the smells. You get past all the minerality and get to like the fine, the finer um, like fruit notes that you would get from like a Lafroy that's been sitting around for a while. So it's mm. very good. Very you sound, good. You sound very serious about this. <laughs> I I like scotch. I like tasting it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, how about you, Jen? What's uh, I don't know you. We've been there's been some discussion this week about what what to what to drink in Copenhagen. So I'm not sure. I'm curious to see what you came up with. Yeah. So I uh, I actually really wanted to try and sound smart and come up with some really awesome local beer. So I asked a few people what to get and uh, I didn't find it at the store I was supposed to find it at. And then I realized I don't actually know anything about beer. So I am drinking Summersby Cider, which is uh, made by Carlsberg. Uh, so it, it's still Danish. Um, it's just cider instead of beer. Yeah, there's nothing and, from, cider. and from Carlsberg, the biggest uh, brewery in Denmark. Yeah. And they have lots of cool flavors. So this one is pear, but I've also tried the rhubarb, which was good. And then, oh, what did I? The other day, I had the blackberry one. Rhubarb and blackberry sound really good. Yeah, it for was. Me, for me, it's past the season of cider. I don't know why I associate cider with more of summer. I don't. I think other people do with fall, but I, I, I associate <laughs> yeah. with summer. But it's refreshing, right? Yeah, I think that's that's the idea. So okay, it's now. your shandy. How about you, John? What do you got going on? Uh, I reached into the um, the fridge and grabbed out uh, <clears throat> a Wonder Stuff from Bauhaus Brew Labs. 
here in uh, Minneapolis. Ooh. So we we just bought a sampler pack yesterday, and so I didn't even know which one I was getting when I grabbed it out of the fridge. So, nice. did you go to Bauhaus direct or? Uh, no, 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 liquor store. So you can't buy uh, in Minnesota. You can't buy off sale liquor at a at a brewery or a beer um, unless it's like a growler. So you can't you can't buy bottles or cans from from those establishments, but you can buy the sixty four ounce growlers from there. Yeah, we've got unless they get yeah, yeah unless ahead. they grow too big, and then then they can't even do that anymore. So like Surly, uh, Surly and then recently Fulton um, just grew too big to sell growlers anymore. Yeah, I was actually over at Bot House last night. We did an Angular two workshop yesterday, and so we. Decided to go out for a drink afterwards, and we went to Ball House. I had their, I normally get their Sky High Five, yep. which is their IPA, and they had their special Sky High Ten on tap there, which is really good. Was that was it a double, it's a, just a double IPA? Double IPA, yeah, it's pretty good. It's nice. It's it tastes it tastes really similar to the Sky High Five, at least to me, just stronger. So sure, yeah, it's cool. been working yeah. out for a little bit. Yeah, it's stronger. It's more powerful. Yeah, to make to make note, the uh, Bauhaus is just about a block away from the Object Partners office yeah, up in really Northeast close. Minneapolis. So it's a and really cool space. There's lots of breweries within walking distance. <laughs> yeah, why do you think we 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 picked that spot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have. And, and this then, episode and, is sponsored by Object Partners. And then, <laughs> and then on top of it, you know. Just having the breweries that close wasn't enough. We had to go buy a, a kegerator and put it in the office so that we didn't have to <laughs> go, go one block to the to the brewery. So, and you also have your for some reason you had your uh, buds there for Dan Woods, but Dan only drinks Coors, I think, right? No, he only drinks Budweiser. Yeah. Huh. Well, he drinks the um the blue tab. What is that? The the bullet. Well, that yeah, I mean that's. Who knows with Dan? Yeah, who, who knows with Dan? <laughs> the Colorado Rockies. All right, cool. Yeah, Bauhaus. That's, I think um, we played some cornhole there last time, right? Yeah, that's Danny, that's where you and I first teamed up. <laughs> that's right. That's the inception we of a podcast. We were awful, but... Uh, and also in regards to cider, you mentioned cider, Jen's drinking cider. We actually have behind object partners, Sociable Cider Works. Which is exactly that. It's all cider, all different kinds of cider. So you don't even have to leave the parking lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I thought they they do have a couple of beers, don't they? They or... they usually have like they'll have a stout. I think they usually have on tap, and they might have something else. But the stout is pretty regular. But it's theirs, right? Like yeah. they don't yep. they don't get it from another place, right? Yep. I've never ordered that, but that's because every time I'm going there, I'm like, well. I'm, of all the places I could go, I'm going to go to Sociable. One, because it's convenient. It's like right there. It's really good. And if I'm going there, I'm getting cider. So It's, it's like going to Buffalo Wild Wings and then ordering a hamburger. Yeah. Like, just get out. <laughs> okay. Well, Man, I, it, feels, it seems like it takes a lot of self-discipline to work out object partners. I don't have a lot of that, so <laughs> I, I disagree. <laughs> Uh, I right. I thought about it for a while and I figured out what I'm drinking. I didn't figure it out. I remembered. Uh, it is a Imperial Stout from Evil Twin Brewing. Oh, I love Evil Twin. I don't know where they're. Would you know where they're where they're out of? 
they're out of nowhere, so they're a gypsy brewery. Okay. So they so will take brewery. space okay. from, gotcha. from yeah, they'll take like a like a silo or two from or like a tank or two from here and there. They I think they started out of Copenhagen actually. They're Danish in origin, um, but they have a, they have like this restaurant in Brooklyn in Greenpoint um, called Torst, which is Danish for thirst. It's a really good restaurant, and they have a lot of awesome Evil Brew on twin on Evil Twin on tap, like all throughout the year. They have a lot of like, cool stuff there, um, and I think they have some stuff out in the Midwest, if I'm not wrong. But uh, they're like kind of like all over the place. I did not know that. Cool. Well, I'm glad, yeah, they've got, I'm glad I got awesome, something awesome that's, stuff. I've got something that's kind of Danish then. Not, that's fitting. Didn't intend on oh, that. Uh, yeah, how convenient that yeah, that, right? that happened. <laughs> yeah. just, almost like you planned it. You'd think I did, right? You'd think I did, but I didn't I didn't know anything about this. I just I am I'm to the point where I'm so sick and tired of drinking IPAs because everywhere you go and at all the all the breweries yeah. it's like IPA this and IPA that IPA that. So I'm I've moved past that, at least for the time being, and I'm I'm on stouts now. So, well, it is just, getting to be that time of year. Yeah, well, and there's there's still a limited, I guess I feel like there's a limited number of stouts, and maybe that's just relative to the number of IPAs that are out there. There's a l- relatively limited number of stouts that I'm interested in. So, I spent a bunch of money at the liquor store the other day buying stouts, and it's also the the time of year where they're really high percentage. So I've got this dangerously high imperial stout, and just the word imperial in there makes it scary. This is twelve percent, so it's gonna come and colonize your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I guess we can. Uh, do, where do we want to start here? We want to jump right into uh, talking about the latest, the latest news in the Groovy community, which is actually the Groovy community Slack. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jen, I think I believe it was you. I know that. Uh, Dan Woods has gotten I mean, some press because he posted on Twitter, but I think I don't. I think it was you who started the Groovy Community Slack. I don't know if that's true or not. If you want to introduce us to how the, how we, how you guys came about creating the Groovy Slack and how that's going. Oh, yeah. So we, I know there have been a lot of talk about it in that uh, people have been asking for a place uh, that to ask questions that really didn't fit into the Grill Slack or the Rat Pack Slack, um, and. I got really bold one night and just pressed the button. Um, so I don't know if that uh, officially makes me a community leader now, but uh, I pressed the button and we got started and everyone else kind of just jumped on board and helped out. And uh, I haven't done too much. Uh, I know, I mean, John's helped out a lot with getting the sign up process. Uh, Dan's done a really amazing job with uh, getting the word out to people and getting people to sign up. Um, and, uh, hopefully it, uh, catches on and everyone, uh, likes what we've created. So Jen, how do, how do, how can I get to the Slack? How can I sign up for the Slack? So it's groovycommunity.com. Um, oh, in which we should also thank Agile Orbit. So that's Bobby Warner and Eric Helgeson, uh, for, uh, sponsoring the hosting and setting that up. Nice. I I gotta say, from seeing this thing come up um, off the ground, it's really encouraging to see just how well the community works together. And um, 
I mean, I, I feel very appreciative to have people like the people that we have in our community come together and get something up and running off the ground. Like in the general channel right now, we have 226 members all together. And this is like a very new Slack channel. I mean, a very new Slack group, I guess. Team. We already have yeah, so many so people. We, so we opened up the official signups, what, on Thursday night? Or Thursday night here in Copenhagen. So uh, sometime during the day for you guys, I guess. Um, and yeah, so that's that's really good numbers so far. In fact, we even hit the, the invite limit. And uh, I had to contact Slack about uh, letting more people join. That's great. Because they're... Yeah, that's great. I I think it like you guys are are saying it says a lot about the community. Uh there's it's been really well received by the Groovy community in general as well as some of the like you mentioned the the different application frameworks and stuff like that. And I think one of the main reasons for that is that it's supported by the community itself versus having a company or another organization behind it. It's actually the community who's supporting it came out of the community. It's been so well received that it's been, you know, people have been migrating from one Slack to another just based on word of mouth and recommendations and stuff like that. So, yeah, and I actually think um, Graham and Jeff Scott Brown over, you know, as part of the Grails team, they've encouraged people in the Grails Slack now to to migrate over to the Groovy Community one. Um, you know, I think that's it's just really great to have a kind of a centralized point to to discuss all, all these different um, technologies and things without having to go and sign up for another, for another Slack team and then another one and another one based on each individual thing um, to have it all in one place and be able to kind of facilitate those conversations, I think is going to be really helping, really helpful for the community. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, I think the, we're going to see increased adoption too going forward just because of that, you know, I've been a member of the Grail Slack and it was in the Ratback Slack, even though I'm, barely in the rat back slack, but in some other slacks as well that, are, that end up being really framework centric. And that it's only a matter of time before someone start, starts asking the questions of, okay, well, how do I do this or how do I do that? And it turns out to be like, well, this isn't so much a framework related question. You're just, you're having some troubles with the language or your questions end up being, people end up focusing their questions in that area, which can be fine. But after a while, you know, it, you lose that focus and it's nice to be able to have a, a general community to go to. And so people who are interested in Groovy as a, like people who go to GreatConf or whatnot, you you go to there and you learn about a whole whole lot of different technologies and stuff like that. And it's nice to be able to go to one place to discuss it, versus wandering into a community having a bunch of questions that don't quite match up, and then having whatever project or whatever community you're in saying, okay, well this doesn't really line up. Well, where does it line up? Where can I go to talk about these things? So I think this does a good job of canvassing all of that. Yeah, and it, it yeah. frees it frees up those. Um, those specific communities and like the Rat Pack Slack for, you know, helping people who, who are only doing Rat Pack or more importantly, people who, who are coding, you know, developing against the framework potentially, you know, it, it kind of, it lets those communities focus on those things and not being kind of, you know, not being a stack overflow. Here's a question. Help me with XYZ problem that I'm having. Right. We, we can let the we can let the community handle those types of those type that that type of interaction with people. So traditionally, the groovy um, the way you would get groovy support is either you get answered by Tim Yates on Stack Overflow. Right. Uh, I get 
between Tim and um, I forget who else, but they they pretty much answer all the groovy questions. Um, and then Bert's on there as well, Bert Beck with with all the Grails questions. Um, but I mean, besides that, you don't really get instant feedback. I mean, you have the two mailing lists for the dev mailing list, and then just like groovy main whatever general mailing list and there are questions that are asked there that are just like how do i do this kind of thing or you know does this look right to everybody and then over you know my inbox gets filled with like a conversation going back and forth about this but having that happen in slack is so much better i think and um, well yeah and i mean the slack community is definitely not to replace any of those existing things but maybe i mean it with chatter with slack you can have instant feedback and i think one of the channels that i ended up creating was about brainstorming ideas so that you could have something well formed before you put it on the mailing list um and just so that he made sure that he was in the right place um with the feature idea that he was thinking about yeah cool trying to see if there's anything else worth mentioning about that well Well, i I, I do want to mention one of the kind of one of the downsides that people have with Slack is the inability to retain um, message history. Yeah. You know, they, they get, they get concerned about having, you know, kind of having these conversations and how useful are they if, you know, a week later it gets wiped out by the message limit in Slack. And oh, for, so we, yeah. Right. So we've, we've addressed that in the groovy community by um, integrating with a company called um, Slack archive. Uh, and so all of the public channels in the Groovy community will be automatically archived um, to their site. So they're they're searchable by channel um, from there. And then I believe they're also being exposed to um, uh, web crawlers. So there'll be results from like Google searches or Yahoo searches if you're still doing that. Or Bing. Ask Jeeves. Um, <laughs> I use DuckDuckGo, but I think that language is Google. Yeah, so they should show up there as well. So so we've kind of hit that point. I think that's really cool. Because there's a ton of really valuable conversation that would otherwise be potentially lost. And with the mailing list, historically, that's that's the great thing about mailing lists is you can ask whatever you want, and the questions are are going to end up being at least... Anymore, I don't know of any mailing lists now that don't get indexed and served up by some sort of software because they saw the value in that early on, and that that was great. And now this is just more context around those conversations and stuff like that. It's really cool. Yeah, and we've definitely had some good um, good conversations already uh, in. all, all of the same people that are on the mailing list and on Stack Overflow and have been super nice and helpful to everyone so far. Um, the Grails channel's picking up. There were some good conversations in the Gradle channel. Um, yeah, it's exciting to see. Yeah, I, and I see no reason that it won't continue to be successful. Say continue as in like it's been around a while. It's still really new, but the numbers, the numbers really show adoption and interest. So, very cool. And any, any other uh, comments on the Groovy Slack that you guys want to make before we, Groovy Community Slack, I should say, before we move on to the exciting topic of what Jen's doing? 
Yeah, no, it's just really encouraging to see like all the heavy hitters coming in and getting their feet wet right immediately. It's yeah. really, really cool to see that. Yeah, I think just to re- reiterate Jen's point, like that's awesome. Like people coming in and talking about stuff immediately. In relation to the next subject, I think it's worth. I'd like. I guess I'd like to hear uh, Jen's thoughts on the supporting the financial supporting that she has for being able to go over to Copenhagen and work on her research with which is the Fulbright scholarship. I don't know much about that, but anytime I mentioned that that one of my coworkers got a Fulbright scholarship and is is was able to go uh, international and do a research, they get really excited and they're really impressed. That happened yesterday. But I don't know a ton about that scholarship, so I'd like to See if Jen, you could kind of tell us a little bit more about what the Fulbright Scholarship is, what its purpose is, and sort of what sort of how you went about getting that scholarship. Sure. Uh, so, the Fulbright uh, grant program has um, a variety of different uh, subjects and, and programs. It's sponsored by the U.S. State Department, and the idea, uh, and it's, oh gosh, maybe 75-year-old program now, uh, that was supposed to foster uh, better foreign relations with other countries by doing uh, exchanges, uh, exchange programs. So there are, the, the two big ones that most people have heard of are the Fulbright scholars program, which is usually for like university professors or teachers. And then the one that I have is actually the U.S. student program, which uh, is what someone can use at the graduate level. Uh, And so uh, it's not just about uh, coming over here and taking classes. It's about community building and and kind of fostering those relationships that are going to continue even after I move back to the U.S. Nice. Um, yeah. And, it's, and it is very prestigious. Uh, it, if you go to the website, they talk about how many people have won Nobel Prizes and uh, it, Pul- Pulitzer Prizes and all kinds of the, the fancy uh, awards after this. Um, the acceptance rate is, is fairly low. Uh, and let's see. Oh, and you can, uh, okay, so the requirements are that if you are within five years of your bachelor's degree, you can apply for the student program, or if you're a college professor, you can um, apply for the scholars program. And so um, when are you going to run for president? (laughs) (laughs) No, And can you get on the ballot in 2016? (laughs) I will not. Um, Yeah, actually, I'm not eligible either. Oh, are, you not, are you not a U.S. citizen? Oh, you're not old enough. <laughs> I'm not old enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it, that one. That's the one. <laughs> it's got to be something. And what was, what was your, what's specific about your, what was specific about your application? Because I don't know much about, I know that you, you applied and you got this, but I don't know, what, you know, what was your application? What are the details of your actual application? Which specified like what you're, what you're going over to do and stuff like that. Right. So I, um, you have to submit a project proposal and my project proposal was to, 
I take some classes and contribute back to the Groovy community or Groovy um, open source projects, in particular CodeNERC. So I'm taking uh, a class right now in static analysis, and then next semester I'll be taking in kind of an independent or a special elective to apply um, some of those theoretical principles from the static analysis class to Groovy and some other dynamic languages. Um, of course, that's next semester, so we haven't scoped out what that project is going to be yet. Um, but that was the first part, the academic portion of my grant project grant and project proposal. Then I also had some community things. So I've been really involved with the great ladies and the women in tech stuff. Uh, so I would really like to get a great workshop um, started here or at least uh, somewhere else in, in Europe uh, so that we can kind of uh, foster and continue the women in tech stuff too. And, and that stuff, those, like you mentioned, the women in tech stuff, that's stuff that you were really active in, uh, in that, you were really active in that area while you were over here in the United States, in Minneapolis, and you started Great Ladies, and you were involved with that as, 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 as well as other women in tech stuff. And when you went over there, how is, so with this scholarship, my understanding is that there's some limitations as to, as to work and things like that. Is that right? Like, you, your focus is to be education and your, your project and whatnot. Are there any other limitations as, and on anything that would stop you from continuing involvement with that community and stuff like that? Um, I guess I should probably add a disclaimer that the Fulbright Association does not condone me doing an interview. <laughs> um, the, there, there was a whole <laughs> section on... Well, on, well on, stop and delete. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, um, like, I, I just can't say that... Uh, they're approving this. I have to, every time I print something, I have to put a tagline in. Um, what, that was the biggest you, you have to put that at the end of every tweet as well? No. Not approved by Fulbright Scholars Program? These are not the views of my employer. Yeah, it's essentially. Um, yeah. Pretty much pretty the same thing. Uh, the... The next biggest condition was that, yeah, so I can't hold a paid position uh, during the grant. So the grant is from, it started in August and it runs until June 2nd, um, after which I will be looking for a job um, for the summer. And, uh, oh, in, I can't travel. In Denmark, you're going to be Travel school is in session uh, unless it is uh, academic related. So I am really trying to work some conferences into my um, special elective for next semester so that I can get that school approved. Um, but other than that, I can't just, um, I'm supposed to be staying here in Denmark and working, studying and focusing on my classes. So I can't uh, hop on a, on a plane and travel somewhere different every weekend. Okay. But otherwise there's, doesn't sound like there's any other restrictions that are going to stop what you would stop you from being able to continue to working on the things that you've been working on uh, as far as community involvement and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I can't see any conflicts. Cool. That's good to hear. Yeah, Jen, Jen was a coworker of mine and John's at Object Partners before she went overseas. So we, we miss her already. <laughs> yeah, we were, the three of us were actually on the same, at the same client working on the same, I don't know. There were, I wasn't really working on the same project, but the same we're at the same client with a handful of other people from Optic Partners. So that's how I got to know Jen. I'd worked with John at previous uh, gigs as well, but 
Yeah. Cool. So, Jen, uh, what's what classes are you taking, and um, what what is it like? How does your university experience in Denmark compared to your university experience in the U.S.? Oh, that's a few questions. Um, so, I'm taking four classes right now, so it's just a full course load. Um, and it's been a little tough because I've been out of school for a while, even though I finished my undergrad uh, like for almost five years ago now. I, I was really only taking a couple classes at a time the last year and a half. Um, so I haven't done the full-time school thing in a while. Um, but not having a job has been really helpful because I can spend more time focusing on classes um, but math, oh my goodness, there's so much math. Um, I'm having to remember what all of the Greek symbols for equations and stuff mean again. Um, but overall it's been pretty good and I'm excited that I get to, um, show off some of the groovy stuff, uh, in particular, like classes that are using Java, I can, um, I can use groovy instead and, um, that's, the professors are usually okay with it. Um, I can get projects done faster, which helps with time management. Um, and I get to teach my, cause there's a lot of group work, so I should probably back up a little bit. Um, the Danish education system is, or higher education system is very different in that, um, our classes are usually like a series of lectures, but there's not like graded homework or, um, I think one of my class has lab reports due like every four or five weeks. Um, but the other three are form a team, work on a project for the semester and then turn it in at the end. And then you have to do an, uh, either a presentation or a, like an interview and, uh, they call it oral exam at the end to the professors can ask you questions about the report and the teamwork that you did. Um, so I get to show groovy to all of my team members. The first class that I'm taking is program analysis, um, which is what's going to build into the um, project for next semester and eventually my thesis. And so we are using, um, we, we got the Antler 4 uh, library and a bunch of code written in Java, like just as a starting point. And then I converted all of that in Ant, oh, which was not, not, a fun, <laughs> not a fun experience, but I, I quickly converted that to Gradle and Groovy, and life has been much better since. Um, and even my TA came over and looked at it and went, oh my gosh, that's going so much quicker than I expected. What, what are you using? Um, and even IntelliJ, evidently, IntelliJ is a big thing that people like now. And they have a student license, so all of the students can use it for free without having to worry about paying for it. Nice. Um, Let's see, what else? And then the other class I wanted to talk about is my fault tolerant class, which is really exciting. Um, so it's kind of a mix between hardware and software and talking about how to recover from disasters. And what we picked for a group project is to look at uh, continuous delivery systems, because I kind of um, have been seeing all the stuff that's coming out of Netflix and their open source uh, projects. And I wanted to learn more, and this was great excuse. Um, so we are currently working on creating just a, a build pipeline. Uh, and it's a group of three of us. Um, 
one of the other developers has some experience with AWS and the other, the other person is much more of a hardware, um, has a hardware focus. And so it's been kind of interesting to balance all of those things, um, teach more about how AWS works. And I, I don't even know that much. <laughs> but, uh, the, the teams that I've worked on have always had great uh, DevOps, like John. Um, Sounds so like now I, I get some, some knowledge into to your pain. <laughs> um, Let's see, but but it's been well, exciting. Well, I expect when you I, I expect when you come back, Jen, that you'll teach me how to do all that stuff so that I can <laughs> stop faking it and actually make it. And in Danish. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Luckily, my classes are all in English, so I haven't had that barrier. Is are the other? So you talked about these other students that you're that you're in class with. What? How do they relate to to like where you're at? There are they are they all people who are have already had full-time work and things like that working on because this is a, these are higher level courses is that correct like are they beyond how do the courses relate to like what regular college work would be and how and, and the students who are taking these classes because it's true yeah. i was gonna say is this this is a also this is just traditional i guess traditional means different things in different parts of the world this is a, this is a traditional university and yeah if you can give me an idea i'm, I'm kind of curious i don't I'm, because you're going in there with, you know, a history of professional work, going back and rejoining the education world, and I'm just curious where that puts you in regards to, in relation to the other students you're working with. Yeah, so that's actually been a, kind of an interesting um, thing to look at. So the students are definitely coming from a, whole, a lot of different places, um, and the the classes are are pretty good. They're all, it, it is graduate level work, uh, comparable to other traditional public universities. Uh, it's, I'm in their computer science department, so it's a little more theory than engineering, but, um, the classes are, are, are for the most part really great. Um, the students, some of them are coming straight through, uh, but, that means that they're way better at the math stuff than I am because um, they've had experience and, and took the class last semester. Uh, so there are, and then there are a few, I was actually surprised that there were a few students in that, particularly in my, um, my security course, which is really fun and exciting. It has made me paranoid <laughs> about everything in the web now. Um, in my, in my data security class, there are some people taking it, um, so they work during the day and then just take that, that one class. Um, so there's definitely a wide range of, um, of students. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I kind of, I was, I was really curious about that because I just feel like that where your headspace is at versus someone who has strictly been in the education world, I just, I could, I could see that being really interesting in a team dynamic. Yeah. Um, and, and it's definitely that, that team part because I've done a lot of the implementation. So I, I keep saying over and over that I know how to make something work. And now I want to learn why it works. Um, so I'm all of the theory stuff and all this low level um, knowledge that I want to learn. I'm finally getting the chance to, to learn about that stuff. I'd also like to talk about the 
So you, you about the project that you're you're planning on working on. You mentioned that you haven't fully fleshed out and identified what the project is going to be. But the project, at least my understanding is, your target is to do some work with CodeNark. Is that am I right on that? Correct. So the the original thing that I wrote up was to look at um, static analysis. So CodeNark is the static analysis tool for Groovy, and I. Uh, I've written a little section about loops in particular because loops are something that are um, really important to optimization. And uh, after, in fact, after I wrote it, I went back and I've had the chance to look at CodeNark a little more. And some of the stuff I proposed is already done or in progress. But um, depending on, on where the state of the project is in the spring, I'll uh, maybe pick up some issues or um, or start on my own my own rules. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that project, for people who aren't familiar with CodeNark, I'm probably not the best person to introduce it, but it's a static analysis tool used, if you're doing any sort of groovy work, it's it's a tool that, I don't know that there's any sort of alternative, or really good alternatives to that in the groovy community, but it's, it should probably be involved in just about every project. So, I, I know that I've worked, I, my first introduction to CodeNark was, a few years ago on the first project where I met, well, I guess I, I was at GreatConf. It was like the second GreatConf uh, US where I heard Hamlet. Is it Hamlet Darcy? I don't know how do you say it because it's like a yep. D and then a thing and a RC. Yeah. So he was, that was the first time I ever attended GreatConf. And I remember him talking about that. And afterwards, he did a little session where he said, Come on over here, and then you know, go help us write some some CodeNark rules, and that was my first introduction to it. I at that point in time, still, I mean, I've I prof I've grown professionally a lot, and I know a lot more. But I back then I was just overwhelmed by his talk was so good and introducing and everything like that. And I, I was really into it at the time, but I I still didn't know what I was doing. But yeah, I think every since then every project that I've worked on. Every Groovy project that I've worked on has had CodeNark in there, and it should. yeah, it's I. It, I mean, it's essentially like in the JavaScript world, they call it linting. I don't know if they call it linting in anything else other than JavaScript. It's not just linting. So linting. Yeah, it goes beyond um, that for sure. Yeah, but I know if if, they, if there's one, well, that, yeah, anybody else but, that really but, wants to give a solid introduction to that. No, that it. yeah, that's well. Let's talk about that for just a second. Uh, but my understanding of linting is mostly just an analysis of raw source. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. Everyone agrees on that. I'm not. I'm not making that one I up. I would agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah, it's uh, like language the, usage. Right. And the big difference and what's cool about kind of CodeNark and why it's so powerful is that it actually processes the AST. So. It CodeNark hooks in, and you can actually tell CodeNark um, to hook in at, at different phases of compilation um, for your for your code. Hey, John, so you so get, what's what's an AST? Oh, right. So an <laughs> A, yeah, I was going to come back to that. So an AST is a um, abstract syntax tree, right? Yep. Right. I might have to Google that. I think that's right. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is what I learned last week in screen class. Yeah, and, and, so, and so perhaps Jen, Jen would be better suited at talking about this. Um, but basically, CodeNark, um, you know, during the compilation of Groovy code, uh, your source code is converted into this representative model um, of 
your source code, which then um, can keeps getting processed along the way through different phases uh, until you finally have your um, output uh, Java bytecode um, from that. And so you can use this AST, which is based, you know, this model of your source code, it, and it's actually an object-oriented um, model of, of of your classes and methods and everything. And you and you can write code then that iter that interacts with that, just like regular application code. So that's what's really cool about cool and powerful about CodeNark is that you can you can kind of instead of just writing like regexes to parse language, you're actually like interacting with this object model um, of your code and you can inject new methods or modify methods or delete them and, and do all sorts of, or generate wh whole new classes um, if you want to. Uh, so it's more than just static analysis as well. Um, well, CodeNARC is just kind of that static analysis piece, but it's using the stuff that it uses underneath the hood to do it, the ASTs. Um, you can use to kind of extend the language or your program in kind of infinite ways if you wanted. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Linting has a history that goes back to like C, right? Like you can lint in C code. Like Java has a linter that you can turn off or on, and you can have it like fail a build based on using deprecated things. Or that's right. That's yeah. that's that's kind of the goal here with these tools is to and. In, in to give you more, more assurance that your code isn't going to do anything unexpected, and that you've got consistency from all the developers on your team and stuff like that. Yeah, well, and, and it's especially important in a language like Groovy, where so much of the dynamic nature um, makes it hard to test ahead of time. You don't get compilation errors; you get runtime errors, um, and that can can be difficult to deal with. It's really about protecting ourselves from our own stupidity, I find. Right, that's a, that's a really great quote. Yeah, it's, 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 if, you're, if you're able to determine ahead of time that these are the dumb things, then you can, you can stop yourself at build time from actually being able to commit those dumb changes. Oh, if only more people looked at it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it can be a little bit annoying, too. Um, and it's it's frustrating, especially if you're trying to go fast and you just want to put a hotfix in. Um, but but it is really important too. And and then your bail your build fails for uh, unused import yeah. in your class or something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but but again, uh, you know that that just comes back to why didn't you know run the run the build locally before pushing your code? Is there <laughs> are there any tools? For IntelliJ or Eclipse or any other editor slash IDE, are there any tools that allow you to do real-time analysis uh, and, and ap applying your your CodeNARC rules so that in line it'll tell you these things? Generally, um, these yeah. rules are related to other stuff, but sometimes there's more advanced rules in there. Are there ways to like inform you in the IDE that you have these things so you don't actually have to run the build to, to, to catch those things? I don't know if there's any. Is there integration with IntelliJ and and CodeNARC? In that, in, that, in in like that way, there's a plugin. Um, there so there's is. a plugin for Eclipse and one for IntelliJ. Uh, I haven't had a chance to look at them yet. Um, the last I looked, they were a little bit outdated. Like they hadn't been updated to the latest. Yeah. Um, either the latest version of Groovy or the latest version of uh, CodeNark. Um, right. 
that, so you could. I, have, I have turned it on and I see, yeah, it'll, it'll highlight a few things. Uh, I think it's really hard to do, to keep that kind of integration up to date because of the way like IntelliJ or Eclipse is built. Like not, none of these things are implementing some like, you know, interface or spec as defined by the JRE or anything yeah. like that. Right. Um, for me, I, I would suggest if you're looking for something like that, you can you could just run CodeNARC in Gradle's continuous mode. Um, so it's just it's just always processing in the background and, and updating the result file. And, you know, you can you could see that output somewhere, you know, yeah. if you wanted to not not necessarily the IDE, but yeah, that'd um, be, it's, it's nice. I guess I what I what I like is the idea of something being able to inform me rather ahead of time so that I can catch it as I'm going. Versus, oh, right. now I'm going to run my build, and like you said, it's going to tell me that I forgot. I, I Because I'm a JavaScript developer working on a Groovy project, I put a semicolon in there, or, I've, or I forgot it. The imports right. are the biggest one. Your unused imports, that's like the, yeah. the, the easiest thing to miss. But IntelliJ you know, tells you some of that stuff, too, in their yeah. own static analysis. Yeah, that's right. So IntelliJ does have static analysis. that It, it doesn't show up as the red squigglies that you get for compilation errors, but if you hit the F2, which is, I don't know if it's the same for OSX, but in the Windows Linux key map, if you hit F2 to go through each of the problems, instead of going through the errors, it'll go through warnings. And it'll it'll be the things like unused imports. It'll say like, oh, you have, you know, you've duplicated, you've copied and pasted code here and there. You've, um, you know, like this thing, this variable that you've initialized is never used. And they yeah, they have a bunch of, Static yeah, and, it, and those are all shipped with IntelliJ, though, right? Like th that's not that's not an integration with an outside tool. Though all those rules are built in into the IDE itself, right? Yeah, they're yes. Right. So it's part of their are those code styling rules, or is it something else? It is. It's styling, and it's a little bit of static analysis as well. Okay. I mean, yeah. not not. It'll not tell so you much. like this could be rewritten in a different way. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that one. I haven't. I, I haven't been in the Groovy world in a while i almost made a weird comment there about when danny mentioned not knowing how the key map the key mappings translate to to a mac because <laughs> the rest of us are using macs i almost made a comment about didn't we just get you didn't we switch you over to a mac finally which you is, switched me over which, no 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 <laughs> and, i mean and then he, the he promptly installed linux but, yeah, but, but my point was being that <laughs> this is it, that seems like a really weird comment because it's only been the last few years that developing on an Apple product became my, that's, that's my go-to before that. It was, if you were using windows or Linux, I thought you were a chump, but <laughs> it's, it's just weird. I, I, I had to hold back that comment cause I thought, well, that just seems really weird. I, I don't, I don't know how comfortable I am saying that. My well, alliances, how comfortable my are alliances you? <laughs> have changed. So, but, I, but then I have this problem where I say, I almost said this thing that would have been so stupid. <laughs> Hold on, let me tell you guys exactly what it was. <laughs> well, so well, that's first... what you have editing for, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first time I had used IntelliJ on OS X, I was so angry. The first time I used OS X, I was so angry because I was constantly told how user-friendly it was, but all the key bindings are all wrong. Um, <laughs> all, quote, unquote, especially wrong. in IntelliJ. It, OS, IntelliJ and OS X has its own key binding. Well, there's IntelliJ in Windows and Linux are considered the universal key bindings or like the, I don't know, they, they have a term for it, but that's what I'm expecting. If I hit Control or Command N, I want to be able to navigate my classes. But or the if thing I hit, is, on a, 
on a MacBook, you don't use control. Like this, you use command more than control. And I'm that's, guessing that's, that's the, I'm guessing that's the difference. No, it's not. It's, it's it's the letter or the number after it that, that's yeah. different. But there's actually two there's actually two sets of bindings for OSX and IntelliJ. Yeah. There's like there's like OSX Classic and then like OSX ten point five plus. Or there at least what? used to be. Like when I first kicked in yeah, let me, it, let me it, fire it, asks, it up. It and make sure it's still you, the same. It asks it you when on. you start up, it says, Do you want to use like what af, right after installation, I believe it asks you, do you want to use OS ten key bindings in I, I thought it was just OS 10 and then default or whatever, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, or Eclipse bindings or something. That's confusing. I don't even. Uh, I haven't used Eclipse in so long. But yeah, that mean then the other thing about my first year on OS X, it was all about. I mean, the command control thing is fine. That's just one key remapping. But then like there's inconsistent behaviors. So, like in the console, whether you're in iTerm or whether you're in um, Darwin or whatever. Control is control, but for every other application, it's command. And then, and then, like if you do rebindings on your OSX level, it only works for some applications and not for others. So it's so it's it. it I, I know that I'm fighting the system, and I should just accept <laughs> the Mac way of doing things, and that I'll be happier. But I just, I mean, I you're, you're asking me to do something that. You know. Well, and if, if you're yeah, someone which... who if you're someone who who is if you're making the transition from Windows or Linux to Mac, and that's going to be the way you do things forever, then the transition absolutely makes sense. But if you're someone who, and I assume you are, doesn't spend all of your time developing on, on a Mac, you might transition to back to your Linux or Windows computer, then it's really problematic. Because you don't want to, you don't, you have switching everything on your Mac, or like relearning all the ways to do things on a Mac, and then switching back and forth to a computer is, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't help that OSX, you know, is based on BSD, right? Free BSD, so you don't have the GNU tools, and yeah. so you might yep. you might be looking for specific flags or functionality that doesn't behave exactly the same. But with Homebrew, and you can use Homebrew to install um, the GNU tools and have them shadow the BSD tools, so that you don't, oh, yeah. so that you get, you know, like I I think. Um, John, who we've been talking to in the past week, says that he uses uh, Docker actually to ensure that the commands run. I, I <laughs> just, yeah, I literally just saw Aaron Zerbys had something in Slack the other day. He had an alias that when he when he typed it, it started up uh, an Ubuntu VM and dropped him into Bash on there so that he could, <laughs> so that he could ensure that his that his commands that he wants to use in his build files and stuff like that that are going to run on Ubuntu servers. So they actually work, and he said he's that's just the greatest night. Yeah, it's it's weird, but yeah, because everyone talks about OS ten being like people love it because it's Unix like, but it's it, not a. I, I mean, it's it's yeah. Unix it's Unix like it's not it's not Linux as Linux is you know people can have the argument about Linux versus GNU Linux because Linux with GNU tools is that's like that's what people think of Linux as. So yeah, yeah. and OS ten doesn't have those. So. No. But I'm I've tamed it. I've You've tamed it's, it. It's it's a better it's a better experience for me now than it was two three years yeah, three years ago when I first tried it. Good. I'm glad you're adapting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have the same thing when I go back to Windows. When I go back to Windows I've I've got these applications and, and by going back to Windows I mean I restart my computer and I've got Windows using uh what's Apple's uh 
boot camp? Boot oh, camp? with the with the new Windows now, though, it'll restart itself for you. <laughs> what? Without without your permission. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a feature. It's actually really bad. There's an anecdote that I read about um, people in Africa who were either, I think they were chasing poachers, and it's a very dangerous um, activity because your life is at risk. You know, yeah. These poachers have guns, right? And right in the middle of tracking poachers, they had an unsolicited Windows 10 restart, and they're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> It sounds funny, but it's actually it's, I mean, horrifying. It's, the, the idea that it, the idea is funny, the reality is not. Let's uh, let's round it off. Um, I was thinking this time we could talk about maybe fun little websites that we've been going to lately. Because I, I I have one that is a gem. A real um, gem. I know what it is. Well, so then you then you should then you should just go right at it, Danny. Tell tell us what it is. All right. So, um, I I'm in a secret little group where we talk about stupid things, and um, <laughs> on the internet. We, <laughs> and, and I needed I needed a little resource, and I ended up spending so much time here that as my new home, uh, it's burpandfartpiano.com. The link will be in the show notes. And it is exactly what it sounds like. So you get one octave of a, of a keyboard. It's from C to C. And and yeah, you can either click your sound bank to be burp piano or you click your sound bank to be a fart piano. And look, um, I, I'm all over the place, right? Like I'll, I'll pull something that's impressive and then I'll talk about burp and fart piano dot com. <laughs> yeah. like, like I made the damn thing, which I didn't. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, check it out. Um, it, it's it will uh, be in the show notes. I've got. Free it's time. a great way to relieve some stress. And, uh, <laughs> it's a real tension cutter in conversations as well. I've yeah, seen just, this before. They do, doesn't he do this on um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Doesn't he have like he's got his keyboard in his room and he puts a cartridge in, but it, it's like it's like it's like coughs and yeah, stuff, and he starts playing like. Like classical songs, but with all people making hacking and coughing sounds. Um, That's interesting, Danny. Thanks for that. I I don't think any of us can top that. Um, Well, I I think, yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know that I have a lot to add. I'll I'll add that uh, I'll just point towards something that's changed recently that may or may not be of interest to people. I go outside sometimes. Very rarely, but when I go outside, I, I, I want to be aware of the weather. And rather than just looking up, I like to do some, some research ahead of time to make sure that it's going to be fine. And I have traditionally, for the past couple of years, I've really started relying on forecast.io for weather forecast information. It's a really, yeah, it's neat, awesome. really neat site. But forecast.io has changed. And they have rebranded and re-released as darksky.net. So it's the yeah, same I, great thing. New map. There's some added functionality. I think they're. I believe they now have apps, whereas previously they had apps for iOS only. I think they now have an app for Android as well. Not certain. The iOS that. one is paid. Uh, yeah. I think, well, the apps. The yeah. apps. Either way. Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing this link right here, which says iOS and Android apps are available. Both apps are paid. The website itself is free, though. 
Yeah. Um, they've got precipitation radar and tracking of wind and all that fun stuff. But I've really liked uh, that service. They're as re- about as reliable as any weather service, which means... More so. Yeah, right? Yeah, more so. They, I think they take in more input from other from different sources and trying to average things out and stuff like that. So they're really good. Uh, I would reference that uh, because it's been something I've been using for years now and only in the past... It's it's, re- it's the past few months, I think, they, they actually did the rebranding where now they're yeah. darksky.net. So if you I'm, like the I'm weather, conf- want to know about the weather, darksky.net. I'm confused by this because I had a dark sky app on my phone. It's the like, same, people. same people. Like five years ago. Yeah, so. it's the same thing. It's just now they've re. I think they're they've rebranded everything and released some new features. And and okay. previously, so you're on iOS, correct? Yeah. 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 So they never had an Android app. Now they do, okay. which is mm-hmm. a big deal. I haven't I haven't bought it yet. Probably should. I, I I can't cost all that much. And I, for as much as I use their their, use them as a resource, I should I should just pay. Well, for like the five minutes that you go outside for. You could probably <laughs> just stick your head out the window. I don't know. I use a lot, real... particularly with biking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But that's Cause... far more than what Mike does. I might bike I mean, if again. I can... I'm, I'm getting ready to... Yeah. I'm going to check that, the air pressure on my tires, on my fat bike. your skateboard? Well, my skateboard, yeah. Skateboarding, you really got to be aware of the weather there. Mostly, yeah. I just see any chance of precipitation, and I'm like, I'm not going to ride my electric skateboard through any sort of precipitation. <laughs> I mean, so, or if it's worth waiting 30 more minutes to that's valuable like, wait information for to stop. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's a pro tip. Um, you can actually use Dark Skies API. You don't have to. I think there is some restriction where you had to pay access for it or something like that. But you don't. What you have to, all you have to do is set the refer to Dark Sky or Forecast.io, and you'll get access to the API for free. Hacker life. <laughs> Yeah. I'll just I'll just so, pay for the app. I'll be oh, fine. Okay, Kevin Mitnick, come on. <laughs> so that's so that's me. Uh, Jen or John, you guys have anything of particular interest you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, I'll. Um, so one of the ones, one of the sites that's just kind of on my standard rotation that I really like is uh, Ars Technica, um, cool. which I think is just a great site if you're kind of trying if you're just looking for a place to get a lot of information regarding like various topics, but kind mostly still science related. So um, a lot of tech articles, a lot of science articles, um, game reviews, um, all sorts of good stuff like that. But then they also, you know, they'll do things like look into like, for example, like the one of the articles on the front page right now is presidential candidates promise to change America's roads, but how? Um, right. So there, there is stuff that's like applicable to kind of, you know, to, to politics or, or any of that stuff, too. Um, so I, I like I like going there pretty much, you know, 20 times a day <laughs> for for to just see what new has popped up um, and to kind of keep myself updated on various things. Nice. Yeah, I don't I, I, so I don't so I don't subscribe to any of those sites at this point in time. So I. All, all I get to match up with that is Twitter telling me that a Kardashian got robbed in Paris and another Kardashian yeah. dating another person. So that's, that's like all I get is like the horrible social pop news from Twitter and the latest, greatest cat and dog gifts or GIFs. <laughs> I'm going to go with GIFs though from, from the front yeah. page of Reddit. 
So, so Ars Technica won't have any of that kind of like pulp culture stuff. You know, all the stuff that you'd find on like CNN's front page. Yeah. Um, and it's also not pay, so it's free. So it's nice. it's really good. So do you have to yeah. do you have to do you have to change the refer on your requests and to access their API? To no, get it for free? You, oh, they just give it to you. You don't. You don't. They just give you. If they just they pay people to write articles for people to read for free, which is just amazing in That's this terrific. day and age. That's terrific. revolutionary. Cool. <laughs> Jen, you got anything for us? Well, I'm not nearly as cool as you guys. I usually just follow whatever you guys tell me to, to do. Um, let's see. I guess one of the things that I've been struggling with here is media licensing. Um, because a lot of stuff is restricted to U.S. only. But um, one of the things that's actually kind of neat about Denmark is that they have their own, like, the public... TV and radio is all like integrated and it's, um, it's actually not bad. Um, so I get to, I actually listen to, um, the Danish radio channel. Usually I think it's channel three. Um, when I'm, when I'm coding, but, uh, cause I can't do it. Yeah. No Pandora, no, iHeartRadio, None of that stuff works over here. Do you, have, have do you, you noticed that every, but Spotify, oh, Go ahead. Spotify does. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask the, the question that I always want the answer to, which is, I've, I've always, especially as of late, first off, do you have Netflix? And if you have Netflix, yes. is your content better? Because I've heard such good things. It's different. I've heard such good things about the content that's available and that in the United States, there's, there's limitations. There's a lot more limits on what content you have access to. Um, yeah, so actually, yeah, we could talk about Netflix. So... I I'm a horrible Netflix addict, and <laughs> most um, of us are. <laughs> no, I, and I have no no kids and no family and uh, yeah. Um, the content in the U.S. The, so the library in the U.S. is um, a lot bigger, uh, and the the library here in Denmark is a lot of different shows, but it's changed because when I, the first time I was here and I tried to watch Netflix, it didn't work at all. And I ended up going through a VPN that I probably shouldn't have gone through. Um, <laughs> to get my it, US content. It, it. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. And, but they, they kind of shut that down. So the second time I came to visit here, um, I, I couldn't get it, but they had some shows and, um, now, like every time I log into Netflix, they're getting something new on the the Danish version of Netflix. So the library is definitely expanding a lot and really quickly. Um, and I get to watch different stuff. So I get to watch stuff in Danish um, or with Danish subtitles. Um, but they usually always have an English version of stuff too. Cool. Pretty neat. Yeah, I've, I've just always heard from people that, well, especially I even read an article in the past day which was stating that the BBC and BBC content is taking over Netflix and they were talking about Black Mirror, which I think is BBC. I get really confused about how networks work, but Black Mirror is, I think the third season of Black Mirror is coming out soon. And just there, the content over there is becoming super duper popular on Netflix. And I want more of that content. We're really limited. And overseas, I'm always curious what's, what more stuff, what different stuff is accessible. So. Oh, English television is great. Yeah. 
Agreed. Yeah, it really is. Cool. Well, unless anybody else has got some awesome internet website related to burping and farting pianos to share, then I think, <laughs> I think oh uh, I'd like to I'd like to thank uh, both Jen and John for coming on and taking the time. And Anytime. Yeah, it was a good time. I think it was a good talk. I think I've I've been really curious. This is a bit uh, selfish, but I've been really curious to see how things have been going for for you, Jen, over there, especially since you were a super high valued member of our team over here and you were someone who was in my regular social circle circle every day uh oh i so know I, I miss it too it's yeah. it's been really hard to start over <laughs> yeah and, and, and even uh, like when i do get to talk to you guys online we're seven hours ahead i mean it's really late now and you guys are just starting your day yep and we're so we we went out of our way today to make sure we could accommodate jen which even though it's still late in her time zone right now, and she's wrapping up her day right now, or evening right now, um, it's about almost a little past 4.30 here, <laughs> at least in uh, Central Time. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad you were able to be available to come in and talk with us, and also John too. John, I, John, John and Jen and I work together, so was, I'm, I'm glad he was able to come on and talk as well. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, mention again thanks jen and john for coming on danny you know you're here whatever uh <laughs> i'm an actual regular unlike some other dan's <laughs> yeah other, <laughs> other dan's who think they're special but yeah thanks for thanks for coming on thanks to everybody who takes time to listen to this episode as always give us your feedback good and bad on soundcloud and twitter thanks and just give listening. me the good feedback thanks yeah. everyone thanks for listening thank you